0: telling my colleagues at other schools with whom I sense the same kind of fatigue about the, the presence that I felt um, the sort of the sacred presence of God through the um, soul care processes. Um, And I think there's a lot of people in Christian higher education who would benefit from the kind of care and, direction that I received. I will certainly continue a lot of the practices that we had.
1: Welcome to the Wellspring Soul Care Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Gotthardt and the mission of wellspring is is actually really about flourishing it's no exaggeration to say that the world around us is deeply in need of a flourishing kind of life that is found in a relationship with jesus and the church is god's primary vehicle if you will to bring that hope to bring that flourishing to bring that love and life into the world around us but The church can't flourish very well if its leaders aren't flourishing themselves or tending to their own lives, but where do leaders go for support and caring for their souls? That brings us to soul care, really the centerpiece of why Wellspring exists. We offer pastors and nonprofit leaders a safe and accessible place in a nine-month ongoing retreat separate from the spaces in which they serve where they can be honest about the challenges of spiritual leadership and the needs of their own souls. It is a biblical, practical process that helps them nurture their life with God and lead in sustainable ways. Again, when leaders flourish, the communities they serve and are all around them, they flourish too. It's been happening, Soul Care, for 15 years. And we're able to offer this incredible experience to about 30 pastors and nonprofit leaders each year. And here's the amazing thing, we offer it free of charge. And the reason we're able to offer it free of charge is because we have some amazing donors who who believe that tending to the souls of leaders and pastors is, is really pivotal to bring flourishing into the world around us. So this is a thank you to those donors, especially. And those of you who give and support this ministry, I want to invite you to hear four brief conversations with people that just completed this nine month most recent soul care cohort. For others listening in, let it be an invitation to tend to your own life with God, your own soul, and what is needed for you to flourish in this season. Enjoy these conversations. Mike, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us today and um actually, I'll start with a little known well not little known uh something that's a kind of cool piece of uh for me resonance with you, Mike was that several years ago you and a guy that you pastored with for a while uh wrote a book called um Renovation of the Church if I remember right and right. it really resonated with me and um and so I reached out to you this has gotta be. seven or eight years ago, maybe, I don't know. And, uh, and said, Hey, I love what you wrote. And you said, well, come on up. And so I and a couple of staff members from the church I was pastoring drove up to meet with you. And then, um, and that was just so meaningful that you took time to just share with us. And, and, and then here, your name came up in the, in the soul care, um, Cohort of a year ago, and i was like, oh, I know Mike. This is great. So <laughs> anyway, so you've been pastoring up in uh, near Sacramento for uh, for a, a long while, right? How how long, Mike?
2: Yeah, so I we moved here from the Midwest in 1995, mm-hmm. and I started here at Oak Hills in in the fall of 95. The original intention was to start a new church, but Big long story doesn't matter for these purposes, but basically have been here since 1995. Wow! In various roles, yeah,
1: yeah. And you've been the lead pastor there since well, a long yeah. while.
2: So in 2001, the founding pastor and I uh, formalized a co-pastoring thing that had kind of been organically happening, and that lasted till about 2016. And then he moved on to other things, and I've been in a not a solo pastor, but the lead pastor role now since about 2016.
1: Okay, and as everybody knows, you know, pastoring a church is really easy and not a challenge-free kind of experience, yeah. right? I mean, and that was—I'm sure—it's all been up and to the right for you and uh, in your whole Absolutely.
2: time there. Always up and to the right. My spiritual life is up and to the right. Everything's up and to the right. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. I don't know why I- I didn't need it, but.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks for being there anyway. You know, maybe just to be an example. Yeah, just check. No, what was, uh, what was that drew you to Silker? Because you were familiar, you lived in the, if you will, in the formation world, so to speak, but what, what drew you to this?
2: Well, it's a, it's a really good question because yes, we had been familiar with it and I had been through other things similar uh, not, a, not as in-depth, but other things similar. And, of course, all the reading and whatnot that comes along with this kind of thing, uh, spiritual formation, as it's trying to make its way into an evangelical context. So I was familiar with a lot of the things. but But what drew me to it is just this ongoing realization of you can be familiar with it in one sense hmm. and very unfamiliar with it in another sense. And that unfamiliarity is just a lifelong adventure, meaning... I, I guess I there's not a sense of coming to the point where where you would never be fully there or uh, have a, have arrived, and so just where I was at in my life and ministry, the number of years I've been pastoring, things that were stirring in my personal life, uh, with different things that I'd seen happening relationally with some friends, with some other family dynamics, and I didn't really know that God was up to something, but I also kind of knew that he was up to something and soul care Mm. came along. And frankly, I thought, I don't know if I actually have the space for this right now. I was just coming off of a sabbatical. And when it was going to start, and Patty encouraged me to think of soul care as the extension of my sabbatical in, Mm. in, in terms of being able to stay in that posture. And so I had a lot of things brewing after all these years pastoring and recognizing my ministry life and my life in general are in the midst of some kind of transition shift uh, from you know an active hands-on dad to a dad with older children to uh, a longtime pastor to starting to see that there's more out or less out the windshield than in the rearview mirror, and realizing mm-hmm. what's next, and so all those things were brewing in me when Soul Care came around. Wow! So, so tell us a little
1: bit what were maybe maybe a, a way or two that that God met you uh in the Soul Care experience mm-hmm. and journey.
2: Yeah, having the having the the carved out space monthly mm-hmm. for me it was a bit of a drive, which at times was tedious and at other times was a gift because it was an opportunity to really get away hmm. from the ministry context and the demands of every week. Um, and in just in pulling away, I felt like God was in a sense, inviting me away. And I I was met by him in that prying away from the grind, prying away from the routine, having that monthly turned out to be really good. The spiritual direction time with Patty was exceptionally good as a way to process further some of the things that were being brought up in the sessions that we had. Specifically, I one of the clear ways that that God met me and, I, and continues to shape and do some things in me, and I don't have it all penciled out, but I sensed it early on that this was going to be somewhat of a theme of my soul care experiences. I realized that part of what God was doing was attempt, I would say inviting me into a deeper level of connection with him and relationship with him in ways that I don't know that I've experienced before. Hmm. And I'm not saying that I'm there by any means, but I, I know that's the road I'm on. Hmm. Some of the, some of the, issues that i was experiencing in some friendships some of the things that i was sensing with regard to my role in my own family again being a father now of much older children Mm -hmm. i'm realizing that role is morphing Mm -hmm. and all of that was getting at some of my own connections and my own sense of what i've been bonded to in my in my life and seeing those things loosening up a bit and relaxing felt like an invitation from God to press into that more and find in him some of the peace and contentment and fulfillment that perhaps I have found in those other things, not to Mm. replace that, Mm -hmm. but next phase kind of thing. And Patty was immensely helpful in helping clear a path where I could see that a little uh, more vividly. So I would say the way that God met me profoundly met me was in this idea of inviting me into uh, a deeper sense of attachment and connection to him. And I'm, I'm that door opened during soul care and the path became clear, but I continue to find myself walking on it hmm. and often stumbling on it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. As we all do, if even if we, yeah. if we were so bold to take that path. Yeah. yeah. Right. Thanks. Wow. Um And, and I know it, it was a, as you said, you know, you're driving down a, I don't know, probably depending on traffic two and a half hours or longer yeah. each month. And so there was a commitment obviously on your part. Um And um so I'm grateful, honestly, that you made the investment, if you will, in time and energy and, in, in your own um journey in it i i i guess you know was there was there some part of you i'm wondering and this is maybe a more personal question is like so for someone like yourself mike who's if you will trafficked in information for a long time was there some sense that you might say well i'm i'm familiar i'm i think i'm good or or, or was there a part of you that was drawn to letting letting yourself receive you know from the yeah. other well
2: yeah i'm i'm I have plenty of areas that need ongoing work but I think one area that I I feel pretty good about is I I don't feel uh this sense of I've got this or I've arrived at this. So I I w- I, I didn't have that feeling really hmm. ever. Hmm. A lot of the material while somewhat familiar at times was extremely uh important and helpful for me to hear it from different voices. Mm. I was particularly affected by hearing it often from a female perspective. That was mm. extremely meaningful to me to hear mm. some of these topics and subjects addressed by Terry and by Patty and by others. It just, it just had a freshness to it because it was in, not be, only because, but their voices were, extremely insightful, but coming from a female perspective was very meaningful to me. And it, it, it got me, it opened me up in a way because if I was, let's put it this way, if I was sort of barricading the front door, having heard a lot of this and been that came through a side door in in part because Mm. it was coming from a different voice and that was really Mm. helpful. So I've, I never felt that it was routine or overly familiar to me. And i Deeply appreciated um, the voices, all of you that were leading it. Uh, I I could say something about each one in terms of the uniqueness of it. So what I found very early on was this has a different feel to it than your typical uh, spiritual formation cohort Hmm. or your typical leadership development idea. Uh, Hmm. This had a different feel to it. And it was a substantive difference. It had a quality and a substance to it that very early on set it apart for me in terms of my experience of what was happening here and the richness of the people who were leading it. And that, mm. that made it, um, that always made it uh, not only worthwhile, but formative for me to enter into that. And you're right, receiving, listening, um, keeping my mouth shut, <laughs> uh was all good for me in really pretty powerful ways my the small group time that we had i i was really caught off guard by how how much i enjoyed our small group and how connected to them i felt when we finally when it finally ended uh, it, mm. it was all very and i again i know sometimes this can get said because you know someone's supposed to say it but i would tell my wife regularly i said this has a different this is a different deal than I've been in before. I've been in classes on this subject. I've been in other experiences. This has a different flavor to it. They're going after something that in my years of doing this, I've just come to believe. And I don't like, I believe it so strongly. I, I don't think I can say it as strongly as I believe it, but there's just nothing more crucial in my mind, hmm. in, in my experience than to stay in tune with what God's doing in the inner life of a leader, and mm-hmm. I, that just was reiterated over and over and over again to me, mm-hmm. and in a really helpful and transformative way. Well, wow, that's that's
1: really great to hear. Encouraging. What is something, Mike? If I can just ask in the, just the last couple minutes here, what's something you 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 did talk about the fact that there's kind of this dynamic uh, of connection with God that you feel like is a, a path open. Uh, is is there uh, any that or other things that you feel like I, I want to carry this with me from this experience
2: yeah I in addition to that relational dynamic and deeper connection with God I came away from soul care with a with an even stronger commitment in realizing that so much of my ministry is um, it's not what i say it's not the sermons i give it's not you know the input i have in someone's marriage or whatever a lot of it really emanates from who i am becoming and what mm-hmm. god is doing in me and it doesn't mean that the that that's the totality of it but i just it just hit me all over again this kind of inner life adventure of unearthing the layers and unearthing the the scars and the wounds and peeling back some of our instinctual responses and default settings to find out what's the genesis of that approach and where was God when some of those things initially occurred and how does he want to, to get back into those deep places and bring about a kind of authentic and real healing and the, the, how essential that is in the life of a Christian leader. That's what I appreciated so much about mm. school care is, is and I, I actually think this is more so now than, at least in my narrow limited view, than it was 20 years ago, that the inner life of a leader and his or her formation in Christ and what God's doing underneath the surface versus the machinery of church or the machinery Mm -hmm. of ministry and being a leader that is in tune with what God's up to deep within versus a leader that's pulling the knobs and twisting the, you know, twisting the knobs and pulling the levers on the machine. And that collision to me is just nonstop in Mm -hmm. leading a church uh, Mm -hmm. and being in in ministry. So I I was reminded and deepened in my conviction about keep inviting God into the deep places and do not settle for twisting the knobs and pulling the levers.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. A great word. And one, I think all of us need to keep tuning into if you will, and sinking ourselves into. So Mike, it's a, it was a gift uh, to, to have you in soul care. And I'm so grateful for you even taking this time for with us today. So thank you.
2: My pleasure, Richard. Thank
1: you, Edie. It is great to be with you today. Thank you for taking some time to um, to just share with us. And first, if maybe I could just ask: Could you tell a little bit about yourself, like where where your what your current Vocation is and um, yeah, what what you're doing these days?
0: Yeah, Richard, thanks for having me. It's a privilege to be part of this. Uh, I serve as vice president for student life at Westmont College in Santa Barbara, California. I'm starting my tenth year. I've been in Christian higher education most of my career, serving at Wheaton College and Bethel University. But I'm delighted to live in Santa Barbara and. Uh, Grateful to be serving with college students these days. It's a rewarding and challenging time, but glad to be here.
1: That's wonderful. In Santa Barbara, I mean, if you got if you got to live somewhere, it's it's not a bad place to live, right? That's
0: That's true. I am a West Coast person uh, in my growing up years, and. To be in Santa Barbara, I mean, I wake up still and say, "Who gets to live here?" And then I realize, "Well, I do for now." Oh, but I'm just,
1: that is great. Yeah. Uh, I also my we didn't we were chatting before we started recording here. I didn't share with you my first thirteen and a half years of ministry were a college ministry, so I love college students. Still do, still love being around that uh, ministry whenever I can. So, tell us a little bit. What does that look like for you these days? What is your what is your ministry context as you? Um, are there on campus?
0: Yeah, so I oversee a team of people. We're responsible for the out-of-classroom experiences for students, and as a Christian liberal arts residential college, uh, the co-curricular plays a really significant part in the formation and development of students. So it's everything from orientation when they first Mm -hmm. get here to they're living in the residence halls, uh, working with them on um, personal development, which can include some things around culture or race or emotions or mental health. Um, spiritual formation is a big part of what we do. Yeah. We have chapel three times a week. Um, and of course, students love to play. <laughs> and so we plan activities and lots of fun stuff and uh, work with student government. It's it's uh, pretty wide reaching. One of the things I love about Westmont is Uh, The partnership that we have with the faculty, Mm. which isn't always the case at colleges, Mm. but here at Westmont, that's a really lively and vibrant and important partnership to work with the faculty and the provost. Oh, that's
1: great. Well, Edie, someone who's been in higher education, Christian higher education for a number of years, and then in this role, you know, as we're talking about soul care, um, how did you find yourself, you know, this is a little over nine months ago now, how did you find yourself uh, showing up? You know, one, what brought you to soul care and, and how did you, you know, where, how were you internally as you're kind of coming into this experience?
0: Yeah. um, I would say that uh, my first familiarity with soul care came through Patty Martin. Mm. I was visiting the Martins up in, um, the mental park area. And this was probably six or seven years ago. And Patty brought me down to the, um, headquarters, the offices there and I got to look around. So that was my first awareness, but, but it was last summer about a year ago that a friend of mine who had gone through the program the year before, and he and I were talking, um, and the, he and his wife and I were having dinner together. And I was telling him kind of where I was at spiritually, emotionally, um, what i was thinking about for my life and he said yeah, i wonder if you might be interested in soul care so then he got me connected with patty Pierce and and that was that was the logistical connection mm-hmm. i think that uh, when i started at the beginning of last summer and even prior to that i was um, becoming aware because of all the things that we've been through collectively mm-hmm. as a country in years. But even before that, um, at Westmont, we've had uh, wildfires mm-hmm. and slides in the area here. Um, plus a lot of the emotional challenges that college students bring with them. I was just aware that, that I was um, emotionally tired. Mm-hmm. You could call it compassion fatigue yeah. and um, anticipating um, that sometime in the next 5 7 years I'm going to make a transition to retirement I want to finish well and a year ago I was thinking I something uh, I need something yeah. <laughs> to, to get me to the finish line particularly you know the the demands the emotional de- demands the spiritual demands has really have really amped up in the last few years uh-huh. so I found myself at this intersection and so when I had the conversation with my friend uh, Doug Bunnell, who'd been in the program the year before, he said, you might try this. So um, so transition, uh, emotional, compassion, fatigue, and then recommendation from Doug. That was how I got into the program and just really grateful mm-hmm. um, for soul care and the timing of it yeah. in my life was God orchestrated. And um, it was providential yeah. for me to be part of the program at the time that okay. they started.
1: Well, thanks for that. Compassion fatigue. What well, that sounds, you know, we, we that term gets used. But, but boy, you're in a, a a caring, giving profession, and you're and you're coming alongside college students who are absorbing enormous amounts of change. The world's changing so much around them, and they're trying to make sense of it. And then you're trying to come alongside them and provide care for them. I can imagine that's that's got to be just so demanding and and exhausting, wouldn't you say?
0: yeah yeah it is and and there's complex dynamics with any institution right now and we have the dynamic of parents being uh, heavily involved, which I believe parents are the first god-given authority in the life of the student. So I, I love that they're involved at, but we also end up doing parent development alongside of student development yeah. um, because parents they want to do a good job. I mean our parents, they want to do a good job yeah. with their young person, with their son or daughter. Uh, sometimes they need some coaching, and um, so and when a student is in pain, the parents are in pain. So yeah, it's it's a pretty demanding time mm. to be um, in Christian higher education with lots of cultural pressures coming at us, which uh, certainly. Your listeners would be familiar with all of the yeah. churches and so forth, so it's a it's an exhausting time it really
1: is, it really is. and I can imagine even some of those dynamics of if parents are sending their student to this Christian college and then they have a certain set of expectations and that their son or daughter is also trying to make sense of their own journey and boy, that that you know, lots of stuff going on there. so well, you know lots that you're navigating. So I hear in you, uh, a sense, uh, of of wanting to, to be able to replenish your own soul, if you will, from some weariness and depletion and, and wanting to, as you said, finish well to, to stay in the game, if you will, um, with a full tank. How did soul care? Yeah. Yeah. Did that, I mean, in what ways did, did, did you experience any of that at, um, in soul care.
0: Yeah. When when I think about the 9 months of soul care the the first thing that comes to the top of my mind is the daily exercise. Mm. It's not I was pretty good. You know, <laughs> didn't didn't do it every yeah. day and some months than others but um the practice of the examine, the reflection on the theme of the month and the materials that we were given to ponder and mull over in our minds, that those were really critical. Um, Grounding, there were some new things, some familiar things. Um, For example, I have known for a long time that I have been beloved by God, but to have that refreshed for me, particularly through the story of Moses and then reflecting on um how scripture but also saints uh you know there were several several um ancient authors that were quoted through the materials just reminding me of how god views me and re calibrating the voices inside my head that might be prone to say, well, see, you're, you're tired. You're not good enough. You're, you're getting old. You're irrelevant. I mean, the times are changing or your, your memory's going or students won't care about that or um, just to recalibrate all of that and say, no, God, you've, God has placed me where I am. And he continues to show me his love as I do my work um, and, do my ministry and relate with my family and um, be in my communities uh, where I am, and you know it's I have found myself not just reflecting, but telling my colleagues at other schools with whom I sense the same kind of fatigue about the the presence that I felt, mm. um, the sort of the sacred presence of God through the um, soul care processes. Mm. Um, and I think there's a lot of people in Christian higher education who would benefit from the kind of care and direction that I received. I will certainly continue a lot of the practices that we Mm. have cemented through
1: full care. I love that. Can I, I wonder if I could just lean in for a moment on that one phrase you said, the sacred presence that you felt that you experienced. Can you, can you say a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there were certainly environmental elements, um, candle, the beauty of the kinds of things that were given to us, the generosity and the hospitality. But, um, there's a, there was an intangible component meeting with my spiritual director, Russ, and hearing the teachings of yourself and, and others who who taught us Patty and Terry. And so, um, that at times and the songs by Kate bringing art into audible art through music and poetry, but, um, visual art, certainly as well. There is something that, that sort of, uh, the word thin spaces comes to mind. Um, I've not been to some of the famous thin spaces on the earth that people would identify, but it felt to me that there was, a um, a capacious hmm. spirit, a generous spirit, um, certainly wonderful hospitality, but there was a uh, God was leaning in yeah. and in and the invitation for us to um, be attentive, to listen carefully, to look, to watch, to slow down, I think all of those things were um, elements that contributed to the creating of a sacred space. Mm,
1: that's beautiful. And in
0: yeah, and encountering the word mm. um and sitting with scripture and prayers in in ways that caused my heart to be pliable mm. um I felt um secure and taken care of. Oh. And I love that that it, um and there were that. That's what I would say contributes to the sacredness, yeah. the sacred presence of it.
1: Oh, those are that's beautiful to hear. So well said. Um, I love the picture of you know the God was leaning in, but I also hear you were leaning in. You were eager and open in that space, and that, that seems to contribute to those that that experience of. I love the term thin spaces. That is great. Yeah. So. So for you, you, you you know, you finished these nine months and um, you're still working in a challenging environment. You're still, you, you know, you, you, some of the same pressures, if anything, probably only seem to amplify in different ways in this season we're in, in the world. And um, what, what do you, what do you hope to carry with you to, to sustain you um, out of the soul care experience moving forward?
0: Yeah, um, I I loved the idea of um, a monthly theme, and even about halfway through, I started to think, "Who's going to give me my monthly themes?" <laughs> like, <laughs> so I started to listen to sort of behind the scenes, like, "How is it? How is it that these ideas emerged and were selected by you as the team?" And then I started to think about how i could feed myself that way um Mm -hmm. so for example i just listened to the podcast that uh with that you did with trevor hudson Mm -hmm. and um i intend to uh you know purchase the book and and if i if i had uh one text a a month Mm -hmm. or one idea that i would dig deeply in and listen carefully to um, how God is tending my soul Mm -hmm. through that idea or that theme that would help me. So I think about things like uh, when we talked about disordered attachments or false self, true self, Mm -hmm. or the idea of um, using creative imagination, sanctified imagination. Um, All of, all of those things are, are ideas that I have, I I have gotten enough familiarity with that I could go and pursue those. And then for me, it's a little bit like, um, following the dots, you know, because I'm very sure that as I read Trevor Hudson's book, he's going to reference some, uh, author or saint. And I'm going to say, okay, well let's, that's a breadcrumb. Let's go, let's go follow that. For the purpose of listening to the nudgings or promptings, the whispers of God, um, Cause he's probably not going to be in the earthquake or the fire or the wind. He's going to be in the whisper, right? Uh, Might show up in the fire and the wind, Mm. but he's probably going to be in the whisper. Mm. And, um, I have, I, I have noticed some ways that I tend to prefer to distract myself Mm. and I can, I can make different choices, um, about silence reading, solitude, slowing down. And so at the time we're recording this, we're in in mid-June and summer for me is recalibration. This is a great time to just soak in um, the cadence that I uh, would, would like to cultivate in a sustainable way through the year.
1: I love that. I love the intentionality and the reflect the, the thoughtfulness to say, what do I want to do moving forward? I love that, and so that, you know, kind of continues to bear fruit. And I love that even idea. Continue to follow the breadcrumbs, the the scent, if you will, that God leads along the way. Um, I just wanted to say too to Edie, you know, folks probably wouldn't be aware of this, but you know, you came up every month from santa barbara you drove up i think um and that was several hours um sometimes you would i think spend the night on occasion you would drive all the way back um and we didn't we don't get done till about 8 p.m and and just the investment you made in your own formation and your own health to come and receive um but to to be as intentional as you were i i just that speaks a lot to me about the space you were willing to make um, to to care for your your own soul and your life with God. So, I I want to thank you for that. That that you inspired me, honestly, even without saying anything by your by um, your intentionality around that. So,
0: well, thanks for saying that. It was uh, worth every minute and every mile. <laughs> Um uh, I had some help a couple months, few months, three months, I think with my niece who helped with the driving when I did uh, it, turn around and, but I, um, yeah, I would often stay halfway back. Uh, yeah. but the drive time, um, beneficial, yeah. um, pre- preparing for, thinking about, um, and I'm grateful for, uh, Westmont and my boss, the president who, um, allowed me a day a month to, Um, invest in my own spirituality and my own, in my own soul. So that's terrific.
1: Well, Edie, thank you for taking a few minutes to just talk with us today. So glad and um, thankful you were able to be part of um, soul care this past year. And we look forward to staying connected, hopefully in the, in the days and years to come. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I really owe you and the team a, 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 a big, Thank you, a word of gratitude, Uh, because it was very uh, grounding for me and really important at this season in my life, so I'm very grateful for full care and all that was done. Thank you. Um,
1: Well, Eugene, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation today, and, um, and it was such a great thing to have you um, in Soul Care this last year. I just it was always—I just noted how often you were—you were just so engaged um, and and had great questions and um, and thoughts and, and feedback. So it was it was great. But 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 let's go back a little and say what what was it that drew you. To, um, to want to be part of, of soul care in this last year.
3: Well, um, yeah, thank you for the privilege of just being able to be part of the program, um, but also um, of this conversation here. It's given me a chance to reflect a bit. And going back to how I first got interested in joining the program, um, this happened actually a couple of years before this cohort uh, I had just gone through a pretty massive mental breakdown um, and uh, it, it was ministry related um, and it uh, kind of became this this um, kind of tipping point for a lot of unprocessed traumas and um, pains and hurts that had been accruing over the years um, but had gone through this, big breakdown and then began seeking some counseling and some support from both inside and outside of the Christian circles that I was running in. Um, but as I was beginning to see, um, some progress and beginning to experience some, some healing, uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who had been, um, part of soul care in a previous year. Um, He was an alumni alumnus. And, um, He, hearing my story and hearing what I'd been going through, the first thing he said was, well, you have to go through this program um, that I I finished a little bit ago. Um, You you probably know him, it's David Kim. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so he recommended that I I check it out. Um, And at that time in the year, it was too late to join um, the the cohort. Um, And I think even the next year had already begun kind of the process of of, um, finding... Uh, attendees or candidates um, so uh, the wellspring you know did me a, a huge favor in, in connecting me to a spiritual director um, and during that the next year or two about about two years um, we, he and I began meeting once a month um, and then finally we arrived at a place where it fit my schedule and it fit kind of the circumstance I was in to be able to apply to that next year's cohort um, and that's how I ended up joining. So you, so you had, um, Jean already been, you know, kind of on a
1: journey, um, not only through the spiritual direction, but even prior to that, to saying, boy, I need to, I need to attend to some of the things going on in, in my inner life. And even kind of come into a place of, of just, yeah, of kind of crisis and that, um, what, what did you find in, in soul care itself that just resonated with the journey
3: you were already on? Yeah, so I think that God's timing on this, as always, was just totally perfect um, because had I been part of soul care sooner, um, I don't know that I would have gotten as much out of it, to be honest, um, because at the point where I was just beginning to um, begin healing and when my when my friend recommended that I apply um, at some point in the future, Um, I, I, Mm -hmm. things were just still so raw Mm -hmm. and so, um, unprocessed and it took a little while before I think I was ready to actually receive, um, Mm -hmm. the next thing I needed to hear. And, and for me, it really boiled down to, uh, Mm -hmm. three words, I would say. Um, and each of these were a major theme that, um, that I took away from, from soul care. The first one was, one was invitation. Um, and it was a simple word that Russ, my spiritual director, kept using over and over again. And that everyone, actually, in all of the teaching sessions throughout the, the whole, um, every retreat, uh, it was a word that came up. And at first, it seemed very innocuous. And in my mind, I was thinking this is just a, a word of hospitality. But um, it, it became clear that, no, this was one of the words that God had for me, that he was inviting me because he wanted me. He wanted me to be there, and he wanted me to be present to him. Um, and he was creating room for me at his table. Um, I think that I had finally come to a place where I could begin to accept that, that God really just liked me um, and just wanted to be with me. Um, and from there, the next word is uh, is friendship. Um, one of the things that the soul care leadership really embodied for me was a sense of friendship from God I'd always thought of the spirit as my friend but it really became much more tangible um, especially there's one session where um, one of the soul care leaders Terry um, handed out helped to hand out uh, loaves of bread um, as we had our own time of communion and I just remembered this moment of her passing this loaf to me, and the look on her face, and um, just the spirit in the room, felt mm. just so welcoming and such a mm. such a sense of affirmation in that. That I, I came away feeling like I really understand what it means that wow. God wants to be my friend oh. now. Um, yeah, yeah, and and that led to the third word, which really um, was the resounding theme of the the closing retreat for me, where I felt like God was kind of coming alongside me, and through every lesson, saying you know, Eugene, we've been through this whole thing for the past nine months. And, um, I hope you understand now that, that I really accept you. And that was, that was that last word acceptance. I really accept you as you are in your, in your brokenness, in your weakness. I accept you and, and it's okay for you to accept yourself too. Um, it's okay for you to accept yourself in your limitations, um, and to let me be your friend and be a friend to yourself as well. And I kind of looked around and, and as we were closing and looking at all the people that we had gone through the cohort with and realizing that it wasn't just a soul care leadership, but all the members of my small group and everyone else in the cohort had just extended to one another mm. such a sense of empathy and, and, and friendship um, as we we're all coming through, uh, I'm sure our own specific difficulties, but generally the same place of, Man, we just need to uh, tap into something deeper than what we have been. Um, and so, yeah, I think those three words really sum it up for me: um, this invitation and friendship. Those are profound. And they really
1: are, and I and thank you for sharing them. I think for many people, we live in a time in which people are do a lot of self-talk. You know, for good, good and bad, and and the, and the, and that's that's great. But it's it's another thing to say you know, it's like, well, I need to accept myself. And that's true. But, but have that grounded in no God, God sees me, God wants to be my friend, God actually accepts Mm -hmm. me. And, and Mm -hmm. because that's true, I can, I can lean into that self acceptance. And oh, that's, that's, Mm -hmm. and I do love the invitational uh, emphasis you get. That's so much a, a theme that we really do want to emphasize in soul care is so much of a Christian life often gets prescriptive, you know, do this, don't do that. And, and the, this idea of just being, what are God's actual just invitations? That sounds so much more, I don't know, appealing and, and it feels, you know, than then <laughs> yeah. just a bunch of rules. Um, so <clears throat> let's thank you for that. What, what, as you, you know, just really just a few weeks ago, we wrapped up this cohort. What what's a, what are something maybe one or two things that you hope to kind of carry with you from this uh, nine month experience?
3: Yeah, so I I think those those words that I just used um, really uh, represent to me mm. manifestations of, of grace. This is how God's grace arrives <laughs> at Eugene Quan, um, and um, and there was a phrase that was used in, in the last couple of sessions, um, uh, last couple of retreats, uh, that we needed to, uh, use up grace, like a 747 burns mm-hmm. fuel in takeoff, right? That has been sticking with me, um, and, uh, just ringing in my ears, um, over the last two months. Um, and, and almost every day I'm, I'm, I'm saying that to myself explicitly or, um, finding some way to communicate that to myself um and i'm allowing that to become a new uh kind of normal um baseline uh attitude uh before i mean it was like you know grace was kind of behind the glass window you know break yeah. in case of emergency you know uh, <laughs> there's only one of these in the building so let's make sure we use it right any deal um, but the idea that we should lean into the grace of God and trust that he can be that abundant in his grace and his mercy, his forgiveness and his compassion, that yeah. that feels very new to me. Um, and yeah. so I've been trying to hold on to that and push into that and lean into that um, and allow that to um, produce in me more of a gratitude as opposed mm-hmm. to a shame or a um, um, uh, I guess, an apologetic, I'm sorry that I have to use so much grace. Um, I'm realizing that, that that really just kind of presents God as if he's kind of a stingy, miserly kind of person or, or that he doesn't actually have um, such deep pockets. Um, and so I'm trying to think of it as honoring his grace by, by using it more, by leaning into it more and allowing it to flow into me. And then trusting that that's what's actually going to change me. That's what's actually going to grow me into Christ-likeness, um, not just the the threats or the guilt that I used to yeah. apply to myself. Um, but yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to hold on to, this idea of just drawing Ooh, deeply from that well. That's
1: wonderful. And it, yeah, Dallas Willard is who we, we quote in using that, that statement. And he, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's posture right. of great, I love your analogy, you know, Break glass in case of emergency. But rather to live in not only a posture of of receiving God's grace, but to recognize God's posture is one of uh, one of grace that He He's like as you said, not reluctantly mm-hmm. doling it out on it, but actually just you know lavishly extending grace or just offering it all the time as a as a as not only a when you mess up but just as a fuel for life itself i love that and uh eugene is you know what would you say to to someone who's you know maybe um even this 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 journey you've been on uh, that i know has been painful in, in a lot of ways to reach kind of crisis points but then but it's kind of caused you to take a deep look within and and to say, I want to lead in a different way from a different place. Um, what would you say to someone who's like, yeah, I, I just want to kind of press on and keep going. I don't want to, I'm not sure I want to deal with all that stuff. I, that's I Maybe it's opening a Pandora's box that I won't be able to shut again. What would you say to somebody
3: like that? Yeah, I think that if you're, Finding yourself in that place, and I certainly did for many years, I I knew something was not right or healthy with how I was approaching ministry, but I couldn't put a finger on it. I didn't really know um, what the problem was, but I think the biggest problem was I couldn't envision um, Mm. a future that was better. I couldn't envision an alternative that was was going to actually uh, be good for me um, and feel good to me. and so sometimes I, I think there might be just a, um, a problem, yeah. a lack of imagination. Um, and I would just say to someone that as, as difficult as it may be to accept this or as, as much as you may be reluctant to not want to hope because you don't want to be disappointed. Like, I, I, I totally understand those things. Um, and I totally empathize. But I would say dare to hope. That it could, it can get better, and that in fact it it, it will get better, um, if you accept this invitation from the Lord to pause and to begin doing that work of mm. of looking inward with Him. Um, know that, um, you know, I would also say, know that uh, He's not there to mm-hmm. to just whammy you, to just um, you know rebuke you or shame you for the way that you've been running. Um, but he really wants to come alongside as a gentle and compassionate, but wise coach who just wants to shepherd you into something much better for you. Um, It may not seem like it's absolutely urgent now. um, And it may feel like you can still get a few more miles out of the way that you've been running. Um, But it always feels that way um, just before things start to come apart and before the wheels start to come off. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Um, it's difficult to imagine something outside of what you're doing, but, but there is something better. Um, and sometimes it, it just requires us to open ourselves to other people and open ourselves to other ways of looking at things to be able to tap into that. Um, one, one way or another, we, we, may have to, we may learn these lessons one way or another, but um, it's so much better when, when you can say oh. yes to the process earlier on. Um, as opposed to being forced yeah. to say yes yeah. to it, a lot of as I was. There. Yes, thank
1: you for that. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that, and thank you, Eugene. Again, such a gift to have you uh,
3: be a part of this this cohort, and um, thanks for sharing with us today. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Rich.
1: It is, uh, it's great to get to talk to you today and uh, we got to journey together this last year in soul care but uh, let's let's go back a little further how um, tell us what you do what you're doing these days vocationally and how did you get end up getting connected to soul care
4: yeah I um, I'm on staff at Menlo Church I'm on the executive leadership team and I um, Thankfully, Menlo has always been a big ag- advocate of soul care. So, uh, I started at Menlo in February 2020, so just in time for the pandemic. And um, it's been a <laughs> yeah. it's been an inc- it's been a ride. It's been three plus years, weirdest years of my life. And a um, number of people just said, "Hey, you need to do soul care." A number of our pastors have been through it and said, you got to do this, you got to do this, and it worked out to do it this last fall, 2022 and 2023, and that was just perfect timing for me. I think I needed it so Mm. much. Uh, I knew I needed it, but I didn't even know how much I needed it, so.
1: Yeah, well, my goodness, it's like you come, and what, a month later, we're all in lockdown from COVID. You've moved to a whole new area. You don't know anybody up here. And then there's a major leadership change at the church mm-hmm. and huge things going on there. I mean, just like everything all at once, it feels like was going on. I mean, what, yeah. I mean, to say what was that like, I, I, it was a lot.
4: Yeah, it was, um, again, I've been in vocational ministry for almost 40 years. That's crazy. Um, And I had moved up here from a church that I had been at in Los Angeles and had, I was not looking for a job. I thought I would Mm -hmm. uh, retire at that church, Uh, loved the community and loved the church. But one of our campus pastors at Menlo had been an intern at the church in LA when he was at Fuller and he reached out to me about this job that was open at, um, at Menlo and felt like I could be a fit for it. And I pulled together a kind of discernment team, let my bosses, I was on the management team at that church and let that team know. And I think that's part of been part of the weird thing too. Like I felt like I really invited people in to discern. Is this what God is calling me to? And I felt like I heard God. I don't know. But, um, and then to come and uh, within a month, you know, uh, maybe five weeks, we went into lockdown, which anywhere I had been would have been a weird time. But right. I, like you mentioned, I had two friends in this area and in, in Northern California. And thank God for them. Uh, I knew them from Texas. They had moved to Palo Alto about nine months before I did. So they were my lockdown buddies. But I mean, just you know, socially crushed, and then, yeah. and then we had a leadership change. Uh, so I, was, I say Menlo during the pandemic. Every church I know in America feel felt the the one sucker punch from the pandemic. I think we got the one two punch, you know. And yeah. uh, anyway, so yeah, just lots of questions on my own of you know, was I hearing God right? What does that mean? What is God inviting me to? Uh, did he bring me here? Did I come here for reasons that were filled with selfish ambition and vainglory? I don't know. It's you know, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. And so, yeah, soul care came at, a, at the right time, probably when I was ready to start yeah. diving into some of that.
1: Mm. Because, yeah, I mean, you have no not only is it new and different and all that stuff, but you don't have any relational support other than, like you said, two friends and that's about it. No family support up here, any of that. So, so mm-hmm. much. And I, and I, what I do love about even what you just shared though, Cheryl, is that, that, you know, sometimes we say, well, if I was listening to God, that means it should go in a certain way. It should, you know, be easier or, you know, tick up and all that. And and yet that it was so difficult and demanding doesn't necessarily mean that God wasn't in it. It was just totally. like, but, but it certainly brings that question, God, what are you doing? What, you know, you bring me up here to, you know, to kill me, <laughs> to wipe me out. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. So you said, it, it, obviously the soul care came at a, at an opportune time, obviously mm-hmm. in your own life and journey, what, what were some maybe ways that God would met you during that, mm-hmm. that nine months?
4: Yeah, I would say, Um, always the scripture and the invitation each month had different themes. And I felt like each of those were just, you know, invitations for me to sit with Jesus, um, contemplate, uh, you know, what, what does it mean for me to live in, in deep intimacy with him, you know, as a pastor, I, I, I think pastoral work personally, maybe not other people would feel this, but I know others that do. I just think it's a really easy way to lose your soul. So I, I love that it's called Soul Care and it's pastors and leaders. And um, so that was one thing, just the themes and and the uh, little prompts that we were given for each each week and each day uh were really helpful to to me and and then the other piece was just the community. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I shared a little bit about where I was coming from yeah. and feeling. I think there's something about being with people who do what you do, get what you do and understand the uniquenesses of leading on a church staff or in a nonprofit. I mean, there were some of the folks who are nonprofit leaders, but, but I think for me, especially the other church leaders, I really connected with a number of them and, you know, would s- spend some time socially seeing them outside of soul care even um, because it was just, it was just like a cup of cold, good cold water just to be with people who you don't have to explain Um or defend what it feels like to be on a church staff. It just is, um, it's a unique thing. I don't know anything different. I've only worked for churches and parachurch ministries. Um, And I think sometimes people think, well, I led a small group. I know how to be on, I know what your life is like, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, and they do at some level. some ways. but, um, But just to, yeah to to get to be with people uh from all over really california and the, you know in the bay area who are in ministry and just kind of understand that journey that you're on and get it they just get yeah. it and they get you that that yeah. that's i don't even know that's like you can't buy that that's just amazing so that was that was huge especially because of the pandemic I hadn't really had any built any kind of network. I hadn't gotten to know people um which typically in the other places I've lived and served on church staffs so you get to know other church staff, you get to mm. know other people in ministry. They kind of become your like, hey, can we meet for dinner? friends and right. um safe friends and that's what it just felt like some really safe safe mm. people for me and then just really good people.
1: Yeah. That's the, we t- sometimes talk about that, uh, you know, but this idea of being safe, you know, mm-hmm. safe, like it's a place outside your ministry context where you can just be yourself and pe- with people who get what it's like to be you and you're seen in that way and, mm-hmm. um, and, and be led. You're not in charge of it. You don't have to, to lead it for others. Yeah. Um, that's, it's uh, there. And I, and I hear that the, the, the invitations or prompts, so those were, were kind of hit where you where you live so to speak.
4: Yeah. I felt like every month, I mean, I struggled with the companioning with Jesus in his pain month. That Mm. was the hard one. Mm. Um, but, but probably the one I need to keep kind of returning to and figuring out because I don't even know how to, you know, I think it opened up some of my own inability to journey with myself in my pain Mm. and invite, I think what, uh, you know, I, I tend to invite Jesus in to fix my pain mm. and it, it's been a pretty painful three years. And, and I think part of that exercise was ca- calling me deeper, you know, like, is it, do I just want Jesus to come in and fix my pain or do I real is it, is it really enough for me to just have Jesus be with me in my pain? Yeah and and i think that start started to peel back some layers of you know who is jesus really to me and i think again anyone in vocational ministry has to wrestle down is jesus my product you know it, and, and, and am i his marketing agent and or is he my my Lord, my savior, my friend, the one that I placed my faith in years ago and chose to follow, not to make it my vocation, not to make it my business. Um, but because I really was captivated by the love of Christ. And I think that that particular season was the hardest one. That was the one leading to Easter, like companioning with Jesus in the passion, um, and I think it started to, you know, pull back some layers for me, um, is I would certainly not preach to people that Jesus should be your product or that Jesus should just be your fixer. Um, but maybe in me, there's a little bit of that, right. That mm. I just, I really come to Jesus a lot to in my, come to my pain and fix my pain and take away my pain. Um, and do I, am I still captivated by just the person of Jesus outside of my vocation and my profession? Right. Mm.
1: So. so beautifully said, captivated by Jesus. I love that. Um, so for you, Cheryl, we kind of keep these conversations relatively brief here, but, um, for you, as you, you know, um, we just wrapped up soul care, what, a little over a month ago. And what are you, what are you desiring, hoping to care, carry What's maybe one thing maybe that you mm-hmm. hope to carry with you out of this nine month journey?
4: <sighs> Only one thing. Well,
1: you could do <laughs> <stick laughs> more thing. than one.
4: Yeah. I, I would say uh uh just the rhythms and that yeah. what I even just talked about, like I I want to keep coming back to is Jesus um is, is he worthy of my life apart from my profession and vocation? Is he beautiful to me? Is it, it, you know, it's kind of that Ephesians uh, church thing in revelation. Have you lost your first love? And um, I think this season of my life has, uh, you know, pulled back some layers of why do I love Jesus and why do I walk with him? And I want to keep kind of pressing into that piece of my journey would I follow Jesus if he wasn't my job? Right. Mm-hmm. Would I stay close to Jesus? Uh, if, um, when things are really hard, cause I've had to learn, you know, I've had to wrestle with that. So, yeah. so that for sure. And then I'm hoping to hold on to some of the relationships that were built in, yeah, in yeah. soul care. So.
1: Well, me too, because Cheryl, I got to journey with you in our small mm-hmm. group uh, this, this last mm-hmm. year. And uh, honestly, I'll just say here, it's just such a gift to get to know you and to, see the the wisdom and the um and honestly the, the courage and resilience that you've displayed over the last few years in the face of I think a lot of people might have said, Well I you know what that this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> and um and to see I know you're a gift and have been to to Menlo Church and to many there, probably many that you may never even get to, you know, hear from directly, but but you're a gift to me in our, our group. And I'm just so grateful to have got to journey with you a little bit over this last uh, nine months. So, so thanks well, for giving yourself to it.
4: Yeah. And thank you. I, I think one thing I didn't mention this, but the spiritual direction stuff is, mm. you know, meeting with you once a month. And I know my friends who met with other staff of Wellspring, uh, that's such a gift. I, the other thing I would just say about this, and this might be a, you know, promotional, but there, there's nothing like this out there. If 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 a person in vocational ministry wants what Soul Care offers, they're typically going to have to spend ten to twenty thousand dollars a year to have that. And you guys give it to us free, and it comes with wine and amazing meals, <laughs> and and so just, I mean, I could cry thinking about how you guys just shower love on, uh, on the Soul Care participants and what a I mean incredible gift that would be during any season because of the jobs that we have and how we pour out but during this season for sure what a incredible incredible gift to mm. be able to just show up at something and receive it's, mm. i can't even I don't, I don't even know how to describe it you you just can't know how significant that is
1: wow it's wow thanks for Thanks for saying that, and especially to our to our donors who are listening. they are so grateful for the support oh. that you you provide. Mm-hmm. But Cheryl, thanks for taking a few minutes with mm-hmm. us today. I know even you carved out time. You're right now caring for your mom in Southern mm-hmm. California. Thank you for carving out some time to do that in the midst mm-hmm. of all you have going. And um, yeah, thank you for giving yourself to this these nine months.
4: Thank you. Glad glad to and thank thank you to all who make Soul Care happen. It was just incredible gift to me this past year.